This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on operationalizing your compliance program, sponsored by Broadcat LLC. Over this series, I visit with Jennifer May, Director of Compliance Advisory, Taylor Edwards, Director of Sales, Xenia Perkey, Design Manager, Alex Klingelberger, Chief Executive Officer, and J.C. Dempsey, Director of Customer Success. We consider a variety of ways to more fully operationalize your compliance regime, including the design and effectiveness of your communications, why the operationalization of compliance is a team sport, why simply data is not the answer, and how to avoid being overwhelmed. First, a quick word about our sponsor, The Broadcat. Broadcat designs operationalized compliance communications and training. Imagine guidance for your managers on when an employee comes to them with a concern condensed into a customizable one-pager, or a checklist for approvers so they can know what red flags to look for in expense reports and invoices. Broadcat has been called a behavioral compliance best practice by the Temple Law Review. So check out Broadcat at thebroadcat.com. In this part four, I'm joined by Alex Klingelberger on Effectiveness Redux on how you can make your compliance program, training, and communications even more effective using Broadcat. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode in our special five-part series with Broadcat. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Alex Klingelberger. Alex is the CEO at Broadcat. He is not from the compliance profession before he came to Broadcat. He has a different background. And so we're going to be able to use that background. I hope to explore some different areas. So Alex, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Good morning and welcome from Austin, Texas. One of the most beautiful cities on earth, having gone to college there. Alex, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. So I've been an investment banker for about 20 years, since late 2002, and for the first seven years of that time, I was also the CFO and Chief Compliance Officer of a, a growing broker, primarily that worked in private capital raises, mergers, and acquisitions. So I do have a little bit of a compliance back, background, but it was in, I would say, the early stages of compliance, getting into the financial services industry and becoming a key focus. Alex, one of the continuing challenges in, is demonstrating effectiveness of your compliance program, whether it's down to literally the tactical level of training or whether it's something more strategic. And one of the answers that we have, many of us have embraced is data. But I've heard you say, Tom, it's not just data, it's data plus. And so I was wondering if we might explore what is needed simply beyond data. If I can use the example of I'm the CCO and I come to you and I say, Alex, I've got that data. What's your response to me? Is it, okay, Tom, what does it mean? Okay, Tom, how are you gonna use it? How do we move for, from simply data and data analytics to really effectiveness? I would be asking you, how do you collect the data? Who are the people that are involved in the data? What did you ask them? And what is the data that you've gathered going to prove to both regulators and how do we use it in our business? So if you've delivered a annual compliance training program with a single yes or no question that says, did you 
to all the constituents and all the constituents say, yes, I certify that I completed the annual compliance training program. No, I did not complete this, the annual compliance training program. And you end up with a score of 100% completion. My question to you would be, what is that worth to us? It simply conveys a unidirectional transmission of information to the people in the business. And you haven't necessarily improved the quality of those individuals' understanding of their business. And you haven't necessarily created a resource for dialogue and better understanding of the risks of the business. And coincidentally, speaking of my former profession of being an investment banker, I just completed the annual compliance program for, for my broker dealer last week. It was 32 minutes long. At the end of it, the question was, did you complete the annual compliance training program? I answered yes. Then it said, do you have any other questions about the compliance? And I have to say, by the way, the training itself was good. It was better than most of the annual compliance training I've received from my broker dealers over the year. It was topic focused. It was delivered concisely. The, it was visually appealing in terms of the PowerPoint, and it was not patronizing. At the end of the training, they asked, do you have any questions? And I said, I'd actually like to review my current U4, which Tom is, is the disclosure statement that every securities representative files and has an obligation to maintain. Here's the failing. After saying I'd like to my U4, I haven't heard from my compliance department within the last week. That should be an immediate follow-up because it's an invitation to a conversation by one of their risk-bearing professionals. Alex, you said a couple of phrases that I wanted to follow up on. The first was, and I hope I wrote this down right, improved the quality of the employee's understanding. And the second one was not patronizing. I hope the not patronizing is a little bit easier. So let me start with that one first. What is, in your mind, patronizing communications or training and not simply why is it bad or a negative, but how can it move to literally destroy the trust of a compliance function with operation unit employees? Patronizing communication is communication where it's oversimplified to the point where any person, not just a person who's working in that business, would implicitly understand what is right, what is wrong, and therefore what answer they're supposed to get. The information that you are transmitting to your employees should be of some value as they're doing their jobs. The it should not be so obvious, such as is bribery good or is bribery bad? Everybody understands implicitly bribery is bad. What's more useful, and one of the examples of broadcast job aid is here's what bribery looks like in a given situation. And therefore, it's pattern recognition for people to be able to better see it, ask questions about it, or if they, they see someone else doing it. Now let me move to improved quality of your understanding. And I was really struck by your personal example where you asked your compliance function or the compliance function for additional information. So the training actually fostered engagement. Now they haven't followed up, so perhaps we're stuck at that point, but the training itself actually engaged you enough for you to reach out to your compliance program. When you have that type of engagement or event, do you think that fosters the quality of the communications or training that could lead to greater understanding? I think it's instrumental that engagement is the basis for 
communication between compliance folks and frontline. It's engagement is a term that has been bandied around a lot and people can reduce that to statistics as well. My feeling is that, that this discussion between employees and colleagues, I'll just say that this is how I the best understanding of how to act ethically and what things are inside and outside of the lines as I came up through my career. It was daily discussions with my mentor about specific situations and how we should be acting, what things that we should and shouldn't be doing in the course of our business. And that's the essence of manager-led training, which is a concept that we believe in very strongly. Let me use another term that's bandied around a lot, but I like it, and that's user experience. And what I heard you say was my user experience was good, but it was beyond just your experience. It was then you engage, attempting to engage with compliance, but it was also engagement with your mentor and your fellow employees so that the communication or training actually fostered an ongoing conversation on a variety of topics outside of the compliance function, outside of your interactions with the compliance function. And it strikes me that's what you want to have from your communications or training, something that's going to engage employees, be thought-provoking or thoughtful. Yet if they have a, they can either raise their hand, contact compliance, or compliance can direct them to a resource within the company, such as on a website or other perhaps FAQs that allows them to get that information. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes. And I think it's one reason why delivering compliance information in topic-focused or risk-based bite-sized pieces on a more periodic and frequent basis is a better way to deliver compliance training. Because if you deliver all of the information in one sitting once a year, in my case, the outcome was I wanted to reach out to my compliance department. Hey, I just want to make sure that I disclose these things on my U4 because I have other interests. I didn't ask about any other topic areas because that was the one that what came highest for me. If my compliance department broke it into quarterly and said, this quarter we're focusing on this topic, next quarter we focus on a different topic in A, I might be asking them a question after every single training if I'm a certain type of person that I am, is the CEO of a compliance company. B, I might develop a better relationship with those compliance professionals, personally speaking, and it might be easier for me or for others that I'm working with to pick up the phone and ask them a question right on the spot, which is really what we're trying to get people to do. We're trying to get people to say, hey, I'm not sure about the outcome, so I'm not going to guess. I'm going to call the people that are charged with this in my organization and ask them the question on the spot and I feel comfortable calling them because they haven't provided patronizing information in the training because they are doing the other things that make it easy for me to reach them. You mentioned something that I want to follow up on again, Alex, which was not simply an annual training. You mentioned a quarterly training. I'm going to even maybe suggest more frequent communications and smaller bite-sized bits. Why do you and Broadcat really believe that can that sort of cadence or different style or different type of commun ongoing communications about compliance can facilitate engagement and overall compliance effectiveness? Because we think that compliance training sh shouldn't be a bolt-on. We think that it shouldn't be 
delivered somewhat cynically as here's everything you need to know at one time. That's just not the way business works. Business works with the compliance issues every day. People face ethical decisions every day. And if you deliver it more frequently, they're more likely to see that as simply part of their job function as opposed to this is something we have to do because signing this piece of paper or filling out this online quiz is just something we're told to. It just doesn't seem very real. You said something that I have never heard anyone else say, so I have to follow up on it, which was employees can face compliance decisions literally every day. And that really encapsulates for me the business person's experience or the business folks or the business unit, whatever you might want to call it. And for those on the front line, that's absolutely true. And they may be able to raise their hand, pick up the phone and call compliance. But oftentimes, if you and I have both sat in negotiations, where you have to make a decision on the spot. And so having that kind of ongoing communications, I think, is even more important for those employees who ha literally have to make those decisions every day. And if they have that background, knowing that compliance is there if they need be, it strikes me that you have given the frontline employee a greater tool and resource that they can make a decision confident that they've made the right decision. Yeah, thanks. I think that's a critical part of what our industry should be informing and just tie it back to the original about data. I think that also informs how compliance should be collecting data and providing it to business leaders, which is to the extent possible use the same systems and software that your business uses to collect data, to collect your compliance data. In other words, if you're a sales shop, a HubSpot shop, if you primarily work on Excel, maybe those are the systems that you should be using to collect your compliance data rather than a completely separate standalone program that both you and your employees only see once a year and generates limited. That's going to for your business leaders and the data that you're providing because it looks familiar to them. Alex, that's a great way for us to tie all this back together. And unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode. I hope our listeners will join us for our final episode. In our next episode, we're going to ask if you're overwhelmed yet, and if so, what to do with it. Before we leave, if anyone wanted more information on Broadcat, where would you suggest they go? Go to thebroadcat.com. Feel free to email me at alex at thebroadcat.com. And we hope to see you at an upcoming industry conference as well. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me. And I hope we can continue this conversation. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you'd enjoyed this episode and our special five-part podcast series with The Broadcat on operationalizing compliance. The Broadcat is one of the most innovative compliance product and service providers that I know of in the compliance space. They have been way ahead of the game in visualization and other strategy and tactics that are not normally used to help uh, influence behavior and compliance. So I hope you will check them out. Once again, their website is thebroadcat.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again.